Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Blaze Radio Network. And now, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. So back in the day, I don't know, a couple of hundred years ago, when I worked for Nabisco, there were Oreos. There may have been double-stuffed Oreos. I Honestly, I don't remember. But I mean, since then, we've enjoyed rainbow-filled Oreos, latte-flavored Oreos, white chocolate fudge-covered Oreos, mint-flavored Oreos, confetti-infused Oreos, and even uh, some pumpkin spice Oreos. Well, now... Um, Oreo stuffed Oreos. According to them, it's the most Oreo Oreo cookie ever. (laughs) They have a larger dollop of cream filling and the filling has ground Oreo cookies mixed in. Yum, yum. Now, I'm not a fan of a lot of the, the rainbow filled and the latte and the mint flavored, although, you know, this is gonna come as a surprise. I ate them. Uh, but I'm, I'm a fan of just the regular Oreo and more importantly, the double stuffed Oreos. But uh, now, beginning at the end of this month, those are going to be able to be purchased at the store and you can pre-order them at Oreo.com. Uh, boy, they look delicious too. Now, the uh, Oreo-themed virtual reality is coming to a virtual reality headset near you called the oreo verse you can use your meta quest 2 or meta quest pro vr headsets to explore the oreo verse oh you can use your smart smartphone or computers to visit oreoverse.oreo.com once there you can play oreo themed games and enter to win a fifty thousand dollar grand prize yay now they're having a big Oreoverse live event at the end of this month, January 30th, 10 a.m. Eastern. Uh, that's Monday, right? Today is the 26th of January, 2023, for those of you listening live. So uh, the 29th is Sunday, so 30th is Monday. That's correct. And uh, so apparently, uh, Martha Stewart is going to be joined by her gardener friend, her gardener friend ryan McAllister, and we're gonna have this oreo verse live event so man that is something to look forward to huh <laughs> you can scan the most oreo oreo pack and be taken to the virtual world as well so yay all of that being said all i want to do is have the most oreo oreo the cookies and cream Oreo cookie like now I just uh, set me down and I know I know I know don't look at me like that you know those aren't that good for you and that's probably why you're overweight I know I know and I don't even the only time I have milk anymore in my life is when I'm dipping using it to dip cookies (laughs) so count on some of the most Oreo 
Oreos uh, test coming uh, soon. Uh, I will have that for you on this very show because I'll let you know if they're any good or not. Plus, I still want to do a radio show in the metaverse. So, I mean, if Oreo or the most Oreo Oreo wants to sponsor, you know, Chewing the Fat radio show in the metaverse Oreoverse, I'm here for you. Just email me, chewingthefat at theblaze.com or, you know, hit me up on Twitter at JeffyJFR. Hit me up on, you know, Instagram at uh, Jeff Fisher Radio or Facebook, Jeff Fisher Radio. Uh, I know that, uh, you know, Oreo's got their uh, their big Instagram account that's happening out there, uh, Oreo. So uh, they could just, uh, you know, direct message me, Jeff Fisher Radio. <laughs> I'm sure that's going to happen. Welcome. Welcome to Chewing the Fat. So our friends over at Lawn Starter have ranked the 2023's dirtiest cities in America. They compared 150 of the biggest U.S. cities across four categories. Pollution, living conditions, infrastructure, and consumer satisfaction. Yay! So, the dirtiest cities in America. I mean, we could do the countdown. Uh, coming in at number 15, Los Angeles. Uh, Ontario, California is 14. Birmingham, Alabama coming in at 13. New York, New York, New York uh, coming in at the 12. Shreveport, Louisiana coming in at 11th. Yonkers, New York, coming in at number 10. Oklahoma City, coming in at number 9. Fresno, coming in at number 8. San Antonio, Texas. Was there another San Antonio? Uh, Coming in at uh, number 7. Bakersfield, California, is number 6. Jersey City, number 5. Detroit, Michigan, coming in at number four. San Bernardino, California, number three. Newark, New Jersey, coming in at number two. And coming in at number one, the number one dirtiest city in America, Houston, Texas. Congratulations to Houston, Texas. Yay, you, you are this year's dirtiest city in America. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I was looking at some of the other rankings. Uh, this show uh, obviously originates from DFW, the Dallas-Fort Worth uh, Metroplex. Dallas is uh, number 32. Uh, Fort Worth is 40th. And there's a couple, Plano and Frisco, are 78th and 91. That's all on DFW. Then in uh, my adopted uh, home space of uh, Tampa Bay, which Tampa Bay really isn't a city. It's Tampa, St. Petersburg, any of the surrounding areas, the greater Tampa Bay uh, area. Uh, So Tampa is 38th. St. Petersburg is 61st in the dirtiest city in America. Austin, Texas comes in at 56. Uh, Salt Lake City, which I love Salt Lake City, comes in at 70. And uh, San Francisco, you'd think, would be a little bit higher on the list, but it's coming in at 97th in the dirtiest city in America. So those are your lawn starter rankings <laughs> for the dirtiest cities in America. As they and obviously they break everything out again, you know, worst air quality, Riverside, California, best air quality, 
Anchorage, Alaska. And who doesn't want to live in Anchorage, Alaska? Oh, damn, it's beautiful. Yeah, I know. I know. Number two is Honolulu, Hawaii. So, man, those places were best air quality. Just as hop, skip, and a jump for from wherever you're at. <laughs> Most greenhouse gas emissions from large facilities per capita. Denver, Colorado is number one. Wow. Oklahoma City's on this list. Oklahoma City, man. There's, that's, uh, I thought that would be a cleaner place, but apparently uh, not so much. Fewest greenhouse gas emissions from large facilities per capita. Virginia Beach. Virginia. Huh. All right. Well, good, good for you. Highest share of homes with signs of mice or rats. Highest share of homes with signs of mice or rats. <laughs> Boston. Philadelphia, Baltimore, man, that East Coast, man, is living off the backs of rats. You can quote me on that. Minneapolis, Minnesota, and St. Paul, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Now, that Metroplex is uh, another great rat city. Wow. But, I mean, Boston, Philadelphia, and Baltimore. Woof. Uh, you'd be rat hunting there. <laughs> uh, lowest share of homes with signs of mice or rats in the last 12 months. Okay. Uh, St. Louis, number one. Good for them. Uh, Columbus, Ohio, Louisville, Kentucky, Providence, Rhode Island, Indianapolis, Indiana. Highest tonnage of waste in landfills. Cincinnati, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Wow, Cincinnati and Murfreesboro, one and two coming in that. Lowest tonnage of waste uh, in landfills per 100,000 residents. Mobile, Alabama, and Tampa, Florida. Wow, congratulations to those two cities. Highest share of residents dissatisfied with time in city due to pollution. Bakersfield, California, San Bernardino, California, one and two. Wow, four of the five, California. Bakersfield, San Bernardino, Fresno, Stockton, and then uh, then you got to go to the East Coast in Newport News, Virginia. Wow, a uh, little, little air pollution going on there. Lowest share of uh, residents dissatisfied. Again, one, two, three California cities, top three. Uh, Rancho Cabanga, uh, Santa Clarita, and Salinas, California are the top three. McKinney, Texas. Uh, nice, number five. That's in the, that's a DFW, the greater DFW uh, metroplex. Lowest, they people aren't, they're not satisfied with the pollution there. Wait, no, they're satisfied with the pollution because they're not dissatisfied with the time due to the pollution. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway congratulations to houston texas uh, being uh being rated number one number one now they were you know they put it all together let's see the pollution rank houston was third living conditions fourth infrastructure rank 12th consumer satisfaction rank 34th so you put those all together with an overall score of 56.02, puts them in first place as the dirtiest city in America. Congratulations. Oh, and uh, speaking of Boston, the, uh, you know, the number one city with the highest share of homes with signs of mice or rats this past year. Uh, congratulations. I love that uh, the Massachusetts Department of Transportation snowplow naming contest is finally over. Dozen classes from all across the state 
uh, crowned the winners. School to- students had a chance to submit names for 12 Department of Transportation plows. So congratulations to the winners. Uh, the They have a Flurry Fighter, Luke Snowwalker, the uh, Plower Ranger, Sherlock Snomes, <laughs> Snowdrop, oh, Snowdrop, that's so nice, Arctic Beast, Sled Zeppelin, Snow Day, No Way, oh, cute. Blizzard Wizard, Snow Big Deal, ah, Snow Time to Lose, ha, and Blizzard of Oz. Yes, Blizzard of Oz. <laughs> so those are your winning uh, snowplow names in Boston, Massachusetts. Hopefully uh, they won't get bogged down with uh, dead rats, but you never know. All right, let's go to the break room. I need something cold to drink desperately. <laughs> So I see where uh, former President Donald Trump's uh, Facebook and Instagram accounts were restored uh, yesterday afternoon after a two-year suspension affecting effectively ending his post-January 6th bans from the social media platforms. So, uh, yay! Right? Yay! <laughs> if anyone cares. I mean, really, it's Donald, they keep dragging Donald Trump and fighting Donald Trump. I mean, he's not president. He hasn't been president. And do I care? I mean, he's got his truth social. He's going to be back on Twitter or is back on Twitter. He's getting Facebook and Instagram back. Does it really, I mean, is he, is he the Donald Trump of old still? Uh, I would question that. I would question that he is the Donald Trump of old. I mean, he definitely believes that he is, but I don't think that he is. That's just me, though. That's just me thinking out loud. You know what? He could start banging the drum again later today, tomorrow, this weekend, and everyone would say, he's the Donald Trump of old. So we shall see. So we know that uh, the Paul Pelosi story in uh, San Francisco, uh, husband of Nancy Pelosi, with being attacked, uh and the attacker, David DePap, uh, is it DePap, DePappy, DePappy, whatever his name is. Uh, you know, the story has been really muzzled. I mean, they ran a reporter off for reporting what was the truth uh, in San Francisco. And uh, we haven't had any footage from uh, the body cams from the police officers. Now, they said originally in the first press re- press report from the district attorney uh the district attorney at that time said that when if it gets released in court then you'll be able to see it well they did show some of the body cam uh, footage in court turned it faced the judge they didn't even show the audience that was there and then uh they decided that you know they weren't going to release it so this coalition of uh media Mites, the New York Times, Washington Post, Los Angeles Times, the San Francisco Chronicle, the Press Democrat, CNN, Fox News, CBS, ABC, NBC, and a KQED, which is an NPR member radio station. 
in San Francisco, and they all filed a motion to get this dash cam or <laughs> dash cam <laughs> body cam footage released. Well, a San Francisco judge has granted the motion to release the police body cam footage from the night uh, former U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband was attacked by an assailant with the hammer at their home. Now, the motion was granted uh, yesterday, if you're listening live, the 25th of January. Uh, well, today is the 26th, but it was granted Wednesday, the 25th. I'm confusing myself. Anyway, uh, the judge said, uh, yeah, well, you can you know, look at the footage. Well, and there's no clear day of when those are going to be released. Now, I will say that I'm guessing that we're probably, well, it's not going to be as good as what we're hoping for. I do want to see it. But I think that what we'll see is they're going to release the footage that they aired in court. They won't release, you know, all two hours or or three hours or however long the body cam footage is on for. No way we get all of that. Is it possible? Sure. But I doubt it very much. What we're going to, they'll release the 30 seconds or the you know 40 seconds that they aired in court and the rest of it they'll say no this wasn't aired in court uh the ruling was only what was aired in court and that's what you get so i'm sure that uh i'm sure i would bet a lot of money that that's what's going to happen but at least we get to see some of it but we don't know when so I guess uh, congratulations are in order to Justin Bieber. It's being reported that he sold his share of the rights to his music to Hypnosis Songs Capital. And they're saying it was sold for, you know, he took $200 million for it. I would, man, I would have bet he would be worth more than that. But okay. So the firm now owns the pop star stake uh, and some of his biggest hits. Right? I mean, he's one of the best selling artists. <laughs> in the 21st century <laughs> I mean it's a huge catalog so uh, the company is the billion dollar venture between Blackstone and uh, Hypnosis Song Management and they got his 290 song back catalog wow so that includes all of his music released before December 31st 2021 so nobody has disclosed the terms of the deal. It's just being reported that it was worth uh, around two hundred million. I man, I can't believe they gave Springsteen like five hundred million for his life's work. Uh, Justin's got to be worth four hundred million, right? Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe not. He's still creating too. So you know, he's still got stuff that he's going to be making, and if he can, I mean, he's suffered from that uh, one thing from the COVID vaccine, right? So, what did he have? It wasn't uh, Bell's palsy. Uh, Ramsey Hunt syndrome. So, I guess he's fine now, we'll say. I mean, he's taken the stage, I guess, since his facial paralysis thing with Ramsey Hunt. So, we'll see. But anyway, congratulations, uh, Justin, for your new deal and bringing home a couple hundred million dollars for you and the you and the wife. So we know that uh, the Grammys are just around the corner. Yay! Sunday, February 5th on a CBS Television Network, and they'll be streaming live and on demand on Paramount+. Plus, uh, Plus we'll get the, uh, the, the, pri- the pre-telecast uh, uh, live from Microsoft Theater. It's going to be streamed uh, live on live.grammy.com. 
which the whole thing should just be streamed there and we shouldn't have to go to a network, but okay. So we're going to see performances from Bad Bunny, Mary J. Blige, Brandi Carlisle, Luke Combs, Steve Lacey, Lizzo, Kim Patris, and Sam Smith. And you can catch them all on the Grammy Awards streamed uh, where I just told you you could see them. So yay! Uh, boy, that's something to look forward to on February 5th. Then on February 9th, we get the uh, big NFL honors announcement. So there's been, you know, the people who are uh, nominated for awards like, you know, comeback player of the year, offensive coordinator of the year, coach of the year. Well, we have, uh, as far as MVP of the league, uh, Jalen Hurts, Justin Jefferson, and Patrick Mahomes our finalist for the MVP and Offensive Player of the Year awards. Uh, Buffalo Bills quarterback Josh Allen and Cincinnati Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow are also finalists for the MVP, but not the Offensive Player of the Year awards. Really, really kind of weird. Um, uh, Joe Burrow should win that, but you know Jalen Hurts. Uh, they're all deserving. They all have great seasons. Uh, we'll see. I mean, if Patrick loses to Burrow. And Jalen loses to Purdy in San Francisco. Purdy will win the Rookie of the Year, and Burrow will get the MVP. But that's just me thinking out loud because I don't think San Francisco is going to beat the Philadelphia Eagles this weekend. I just don't see it happening. But we'll see. The Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, you got Nick Bosa. Micah Parsons, Chris Jones. I mean, those guys all had tremendous seasons this year uh, in the NFL. So congratulations to all of them, really. But uh, good luck for uh, getting those awards. And we can be able to you know, look forward to seeing who wins on February 9th. So busy week, uh, February 5th. Uh, man, you got the Grammys, and then the 9th, you got the NFL awards. And then we'll have the Super Bowl. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's something to look forward to. So a new study from the Secret Services National Threat Assessment Center was released. It examined 173 public attacks occurring between January 2016 and December 2020 and found patterns that repeated from Uvalde to the back-to-back shootings in California this past weekend. Some of the commonalities they claim from the Secret Service's National Threat Assessment Center, uh, almost all attackers acted al- act- almost all attackers acted alone and were men. Though attackers ranged in age from 14 to 87, the average age skewed younger at 34. Nearly 73% of the attacks involved firearms, and most of those were fatal. The remaining attacks that didn't involve firearms were mostly non-fatal. Nearly all attackers experienced a significant stressor, such as a loved one dying in the five years prior to the attack, and 77% of them experienced one within a year. Half of the incidents were motivated by perceived wrongs in the workplace or at home. The killing of seven people in Half Moon Bay, California on Monday was described by officials as an act of workplace 
violence. The study says that nearly half of the attackers had history of perpetuating misogyny and or domestic violence and that those behaviors deserved increased attention from law enforcement. Violent online posting and chatting can also signal an individual may commit an attack. For example, the shooter in Uvalde threatened women online and shared graphically misogynistic content. How do you get... Uh, no, I won't question it. I'm just telling you what the study is. Nearly two-thirds of attackers said or did things objectively concerning that they should have been met with an immediate response. Many of these were even reported to law enforcement, employers, and others prior to the mass attack, but were not acted upon because no one knows what to do. Uh, Anyway, I'm supposed to stop. The report's big takeaway. Recognizing shared patterns among past mass attacks early could help prevent future tragedies. How much did that cost? A new study from the Secret Service's National Threat Assessment Center with 173 public attacks looked at. And their big takeaway is recognizing shared patterns among past mass attacks early could help prevent future tragedies. Oh, you think? I just... Amazing. And what does that mean? that uh, we need to uh, recognize these shared patterns. Okay, so what do we do once we recognize it? Do we uh, just, because we recognize a pattern, we lock them up and we take all guns away from all people? And, uh, I mean, that's where we're at. So just know that uh, that big report, just recognize shared patterns and uh, that will help prevent future tragedies. Yeah. I hope it does. I hope it does. I hope it does. I don't know how much money we spent on that study, but... And good news. Uh, Ukraine is getting new tanks. Uh, Both the U.S. and Germany agreed yesterday to send tanks to Ukraine as it fends off the Russian invasion. Something Ukraine has said it needs to win the war. Ukraine has said it needs a lot of things to win the war. The U.S. will send 31 M1 Abrams tanks, while Germany will provide 14 Leopard AA-6 models. (laughs) Uh, Western allies have been arming Ukraine since the war began. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, There was hesitation over whether sending the tanks would be considered an escalation. Uh, I think it does. Uh, President Biden stressed, this is important that President Biden stressed this, it's not an offensive threat to Russia. (laughs) Oh, oh, okay, it is not an offensive threat to Russia. Uh, Russia certainly thinks it is. Uh, It certainly is taking the opportunity for peace talks farther away from the table, I'll tell you that. (laughs) But, you know, in the words of our president, President Joseph Robinette Biden, Uh, this move to send tanks to Ukraine uh, is not an offensive threat to Russia. (laughs) Oh, okay then. All right then. That's what you said. That's, That's what it is. So we know that the FDA released a proposal to streamline the immunization schedule for COVID-19 that would treat the jab like your annual flu vaccine. And I cannot tell you how I hate the term the jab. I don't know why. It just bugs me so much to say the jab. (laughs) I don't know. I I know it's just me. I just hate calling it the jab. I don't know the, the vaccine shot. Uh, I don't know, the, the COVID shot, something else. I just, 
I just don't like calling it the jab. Anyway, uh, it's just me. <laughs> As with the flu, a group of experts would meet yearly to determine which variants should be targeted, and once a year, a shot would be made available to the public. The agency is mulling the shift at a moment when only 15% of Americans who are eligible for the most recent COVID booster have gotten one. Yeah, well, that's because uh, maybe you know we're a little nervous and see that perhaps uh, the COVID-19 vaccine jab uh, isn't quite like the flu shot that we've been getting. Uh, the flu shot actually told us, hey, you know, you still may get the flu, but you won't be as sick. Well, that's, that's what you kind of told us what, what's evolved from the COVID vaccine jab. And, uh, but it really isn't true, is it? We're actually seeing the side effects in by, we're seeing it them ourselves and you're just denying it that it's happening, but we're seeing it. And I see where project Veritas just released a new video, uh, exposing a Pfizer executive, this Jordan Tristan Walker, who claims that his company, you know, Pfizer, uh, is, uh, exploring a way to mutate COVID to preempt the development of future vaccines. Oh, that's special. That's awesome. That's nice of them. Now, it isn't uh, gain-of-function research that's happening. It's called directed evolution. (laughs) So shut up with your gain-of-function conspiracy theories, okay? We don't do that kind of work anymore. That's not... We don't do gain-of-function research. We'd call it directed evolution. So that's what you get. That sounds even better, to be honest with you. Uh, Let's go back to gain of function. I like the way that sounded. Uh, (laughs) Directed evolution. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the way that sounds. And pretty sure I'm not a fan of what it actually is. So let's uh, let's put a pause on that, shall we? And I know they'll say that this is, uh, you're taking this out of context. We're working on it so that we can get out in front of the new mutations so that we're trying to find ways to stop it. But in this, uh, uh, Veritas video, he says, uh, we're exploring, why don't we just mutate it COVID ourselves so we could create a preemptive new vaccine. So now we're not only trying to get out in front of the uh, variants, we're going to go ahead and try to develop a variant so that we can, I guess, spread the variant so that we can sell the vaccine. Are we hoping that if we create a variant and then a vaccine, we could give the variant out and then along with the variant and the vaccine, you would be immune to the other variants? I mean... I don't know. I don't. I don't know the answer to that question. I am not a Pfizer scientist, but I'm just. I just. How about directed evolution? We just kind of. Uh, we just kind of put a, put a pause on that. Okay. I mean, they're not going to, but uh, you know, we can ask them to. That's for sure. Have you seen? Have you started watching uh, The Last of Us yet on HBO? Watch. Uh, there's two, two two episodes out. I think it comes out every Sunday. Uh, so we're coming up on the third episode this weekend. But I uh, watched the very first episode last night. Pretty good. Uh, pretty darn good. I There's a couple things in it that I question. Like, I'm like, why did we do that? 
and it's a game you know it's based on a game that uh i know my son has and has played uh he was watching it with me last night and saying i've never won this game i got it and then i had to work and so i just haven't i haven't beat it yet <laughs> some of this, i like the way it's shot i like the cinematography the cinematography uh there uh, for some of the shots are like look like a game which is pretty cool uh, you know, and Pedro Pascal is in it, and uh, there were a couple things that happened that I questioned, like, wait, what's going on? So if you had the game, you knew what was happening, but if you didn't have the game, then you kind of went, what? We're, we're here now? So uh, I think we need to, you know, rethink, and maybe they'll get to it in the second, you know, the second episode, uh, you know, lay the groundwork for some of it. But uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And it is, you know, about uh, a fungus among us. And so I'm sure that nothing like what they have in The Last of Us is happening from Pfizer and their directed evolution that's happening. Absolutely has nothing to do with that. Duh. So we do do, you know, I love do, we do do, we do do, he's a do do, uh, we do talk about uh, houses of the hoity-toity uh, often on the show, and I've got some great houses of the hoity-toity to tell you about uh, in the future, but this particular home is uh, uh, for sale in Tennessee, listed for $1.5 million. Now the reason that uh, I'm telling you about this particular house, because the photo used on Zillow to say, hey, this is the house that uh, we're looking to sell for, uh, I don't know, $1.5 million, uh, is literally the house on fire. <laughs> it gives a whole new meaning to fire sale. <laughs> so it's already under contract. Somebody has already bought it. Uh, incredible. So I guess the, uh, you know, he's ready for the restitution or the re restoration and restitution, the restoration process. Uh, so maybe they'll, you know, put it online and just let you watch the, uh, the restoration of it. But it sits on five acres of land in Franklin, Tennessee. It includes a bunch of staircases, grand staircases, an outdoor kitchen, detached guest house, uh, which I guess is where the family will live while they're fixing up the house. And the, apparently they had a house in, uh, when it was on fire in September. And uh, according to reports, before the fire, it sold for $10 million. So it took quite a hit. Uh, although they probably got uh, insurance money for it. So the $1.5 million is just walking around money. So that's pretty good. I mean, if you think about the... Uh, the old Robin Williams movie, uh, The World According to Garp from, I don't know, I don't know when that when movie was out, in the 80s, I think. Uh, but they're looking at a house to buy and a plane crashes into it. And he immediately says, we'll take it. It's been pre-disastered. <laughs> the odds of having another plane hit that house are astronomical. <laughs> so, I mean, you could go with that with your house in Tennessee. The odds of Another huge fire are, I don't, are they astronomical? Sure. Let's go with that. Would you buy the house? 
if you looked at the Zillow picture and it was the house that was on fire. <laughs> you know, I might. I might, actually, but uh, you never know. It just seems like a new version of fire sale. All right, I've got to talk to you about a coloring book that I had sent to me from Christopher Brady, the author of this coloring book. Uh, Chris is an old friend of Chewing the Fat, an old friend of The Blaze, an old friend of Glenn Beck. Uh, he's been around for a long time. I, I love Chris Brady. And he has uh, developed a new coloring book. It's titled Joe Biden Hides Classified Documents. And it's from bidencoloringbooks.com. And it says volume one on it, so there could be more to come. Uh, he's hidden classified documents all over America. Can you find them all? <laughs> and each page opens up to a cute little story uh, about Joe Biden and uh, great moments. And there's you can color the picture and you can try to find where the top secret documents are hidden in each picture. It's a fun little game for your kids and, and you to play. <laughs> <laughs> wait here's this picture here uh where's the top secret document though i don't see the the top secret document in this particular picture i thought it was in every one. Oh, wait a minute is it ever where's the oh you just have to find it in some of them okay all right fine be that way be that way but they're awesome pictures of joe biden doing the things that joe biden does uh, you know, saying that, uh, you know, he's looking ice cream. There's one here, great moments in Joe Biden history where he comes running out of the house with his shotgun. If you want to keep someone away from your house, just fire the shotgun through the door. Uh, that's his interview with Field and Stream from 2013. Things Joe Biden has said. And uh, it's awesome. This actually would be fun. I can't wait for my daughter to, uh, the artist daughter, to actually get her uh, drawing pencils out and draw this. Or I might give this to to my wife's grandchildren and let them color it up too. Now that's what I'm going to do maybe. Uh, Maya has enough artwork to do. She doesn't need to be coloring doofus Joe Biden. So I'll give it to my wife's grandkids and they can color it up and do a fine job on it. But if you'd like to have one uh, to give away or to use yourself, you can go to <laughs> Biden Coloring Books dot com bidencoloringbooks.com and I'll put the link in the description uh, for the show pretty incredible news actually coming out of Fort Worth uh, Texas uh, twin sisters who were conjoined at the chest and stomach have undergone successful surgery to separate that, that doesn't happen hardly at all ever uh, amazing so they were born in uh Fort Worth. They're from Saginaw, Texas, which is, you know, my hometown is Saginaw, Michigan. I was born in Saginaw, Michigan. But uh, Saginaw, Texas, and they learned, uh, you know, the ultrasound that they were expecting conjoined twins. So uh, they were born in uh, Fort Worth uh, through a C-section, and then they were transferred to Cook Children's Neonatal Intensive Care Unit, and they stayed there until the separation surgery. So only, I mean, only a small handful of conjoined twins ever survive past birth which is you know a feat in and of itself so to stay alive and viable after birth there's it's a very very rare situation so i didn't conjoined twins occur once in every 50 to 60,000 births 
approximately 70% of conjoined twins are female. Wow. And according to Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, they've completed more than two dozen separation surgeries. That's pretty amazing. So uh, these uh, two girls uh, were... uh, I was going to say, they were taken apart, okay? They'll be making jokes and smiling about the conjoined people being ripped apart or what's it going to look like if they weren't, you know, taken apart. (laughs) How long do they live? How long do they live if you just leave them be? (laughs) Uh, Can they? Can they live uh, after, after you just leave them be? Now, they're just two beautiful little girls and you see them, you know, could join the stomach. It's just sad. And uh, thankfully, they they took, I mean, they completely took off. The surgery took uh, 11 hours. Uh, involved separating the girl's liver as well as their skin and fascia. And uh, the team was divided into two teams to take care of the two girls. Amy Lynn's team wearing green hats and Jamie Lynn's team wearing purple hats during the surgery. And apparently the operating room erupted. And a quick cheer when the girls were successfully separated during the operation. So that's awesome. Uh, you say you get out of doctor mode for just a couple of seconds because the whole room realized what happened. Yeah, then you got to get back to it because you got uh, you got to get these girls and save them back to life. They say the one girl, Jamie Lynn, is the is the spunky one, and uh, Amy Amy Lynn is the more laid back sister. So congratulations to Cook Children's for doing this operation and congratulations to these parents for having two beautiful girls that are no longer conjoined. And uh, we call them conjoined now, right? They're not not Siamese twins or anything like that anymore. You know, we don't call them that. They're just conjoined twins, right? We don't, don't look at me like that. I'm asking a question. You know, there used to be that they were Siamese twins. And now, you know, I know I'm old school, so we don't call them. We don't call them that anymore. They're conjoined twins, okay? Just remember that. Jeez, look at me like that. All right, so I'm going to leave you with uh, the joke of the day for you. Uh, just I'm going to get out of here. Let's uh, let's leave you with a joke of the day from uh, an email from Eric. Eric emailed uh, chewingthefat at theblaze.com. With, uh, he said, hey, here's a joke of the day. Okay, all right, I'll use it. Thank you, Eric. I lost my job at the bank on my first day. A woman asked me to check her balance, so I pushed her over. So he lost his job at the bank uh, on his first day working there because a woman asked him to check her balance. And he did. He pushed her over. (laughs) So stupid. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.